We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The, the position on the D-line to me, Ryan, that, that is going to be the probably the least sexy to talk about, but arguably as important as anything that happens on defense is right now we expect Riley Mills and Howard Cross to be the starters up the middle. Behind it, much bigger question mark. And that's what I'm curious to see is who steps up. Does Gabriel Rubio take his game to another level? Does Jason, Jason Onye break out this spring? Does Donovan Heinish come out of nowhere and surprise some people? Uh, it, who are going to be those guys? Is is Devin Houston ready to play? Is Tyson Ford move inside? Can he have a big spring? Can he kind of, you know, take his work ethic and his mindset and his demeanor to another level? Tyson's a bit of a mild mannered kid, quiet kid, good good young man. I, I like Tyson a lot. He's got to learn like a lot of guys that have his just where he's on the he's just so much better than everybody that he played against in high school. Yeah. It's like I've said about Deion Colsey. Like, does he really understand what he's capable of when he's pushed and really has to take his game to another level? Can he get there? If he does, he's got a chance to be a really good football player. You know, and, and some guys like him have that struggle in year one. If it starts to if it starts to figure it out, then then you're good. Now, there's two ways to look at it as a coach. One is say, hey man, if you don't get going, then we're just gonna find somebody else. The other way is to say, hey, this kid's really talented, and I'm gonna figure out a way to get this kid going. And if I got to put my foot up as you know what to get them going, then that's what I'm going to do. That's called coaching. That's what that's called, Ryan. It's called coaching. And you expect your coaches to do coaching, right? That's what they're paid for. And so, uh, you know, that's that's my frustration. But there's a lot of guys. And I'm, I mean, I know, I know I'm leaving guys off Devin Houston, Aiden, um, Aiden Kayana, Anna, another yeah. guy. I, I'll be honest, I'll just say it now. I've been told that Al Washington doesn't really care much for him as a player and so there's a lot more i could say not going to say it right now but are they just going to let that kid fall by the wayside or are they going to coach him up and try to see what they got from him that i don't know the answer to that question right now uh we'll find out starting here very soon in the spring but he's another guy 300 plus pounds decent athlete for his size nothing special but a big physical kid that in limited reps has shown he's got a chance to do something you know as as a as a chris smith type of role player and you need that. I mean, 
one of the issues Notre Dame has had in recent years is beef when they need it. Now, I think beef all the time is overrated if you're running your defense the correct way. But right now I have two issues. Number one, they are playing a style of defense that requires more beef, but they don't have it, which I think is dumb. Number two, some of the beef they had was – it, there just wasn't a lot of depth there. Gabriel Rubio last year is a borderline 300 pounder, but he's a redshirt freshman who was kind of coming along. He's not quite there yet. He'll now be a junior redshirt sophomore. You expect yeah. Gabriel to take another jump. And I thought Ryan, he got better and better and better as the year went on. Like I remember watching his BYU, and there's a couple times where the BYU line just came off and just pancaked him, smacked him, just yeah. flattened him. Yeah. That wasn't happening to him by the end of the year, you know, because he, again, big strong kid that was just better than everybody around him right and then you know he gabriel never went against a high school offensive lineman that could pancake him could ear hole him like like byu's guys did it's a learning lesson and then he gets better about it does a better job with his technique doesn't stop his feet as much next thing you know that's not happening to him that's what happens when you get experience right but he's got a chance to be better aiden canna on has got a chance to be better but that's all the beef you really have yeah. Right. The rest of your guys, like, we're excited about the fact that Devin Houston showed up at 285. 285. That's what we're excited about. Right. So there's not a lot of beef there. So you can't afford to just dismiss a guy like Aiden Kanaana. Got to get him ready to play. The rest of your yeah. guys are 285 or smaller. That's just the reality of it. So, number one, you've got to turn them loose a little bit more and not have them two gap and, and, and eat up blocks for your linebackers as much as they did last year. That's scheme over personnel. That's what that was. I mean, am I wrong? They chose scheme over personnel, which is why who's the one guy that was surprisingly good last year? Chris Smith. Chris why? Because he's the one guy that had the body type to do what they were asking him to do. Yep. Right. So he's gone. You've got to, you've got to hope that Rubio and Kiana can do that. But when Onye's in the game, when, when Riley's in the game, when all I mean, Riley Mills right now is your second biggest interior defensive lineman. That's not at, that's, at like 291 or 292, like or that, 293, but, 294, yeah, or something like yeah, that. Right. Yeah. So you've got to play to that more. You have a 275 pound nose tackle. You've got a, a, a guy starting at three technique that was a big end for you last year. Turn yeah. him loose. Yep. That's number one. Turn him loose and then take advantage of the big boys you do have. And that's what I want to see. And, and who steps up? I mean, because, again, this is partly on the players, too. Does Tyson Ford develop the work ethic he needs to? Does does Donovan Heinish really put in? Now, what I say about Donovan is it's not – he's going to work his butt off. But has he put in the work to where he's now physically ready to come out and play this year, right? right. The motor's there, the athleticism there. Is he going to be big enough to hold up, you know, based on what he's done this offseason? Is Jason Onye going to be able to take his game? He's a very intriguing player to me, Ryan. 285, really long, athletic, still raw. Does he? Does the light go on for him this spring? Uh, those are all really important questions for me, and the and the more of those guys that check those boxes in the affirmative is going to go a long way towards this defense being good. Because if the two end positions are as good as we think they can be, but the interior is a problem, the defense is going to be a problem. No doubt, it's, it's defense and offense. If you're not good up the middle, you're not going to be good. You're just not. Not in the big games. And so I'm very curious to see what young players come out and push their way into the rotation this year, Ryan. So it's not specifically a battle for a starting job as much as you're battling for that number three job, for that number four job, for that job where they say, boy, we just got to find a way to get this guy on the field. Sure. And and it's it's – I don't know if I'd say it's going to be exciting because it's interior defensive line, but it's important. 
very, very important. That these I would also. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I would also argue, Brian, that, I mean, Howard Cross had a nice start to the year last year. I thought he played really well. I mean, for the first few games, I would argue he was the best interior defensive lineman. But then he wore down a little bit. Well, why does a 265-pound defensive tackle wear down? Because you're asking him to two-gap a ton, working off multiple blockers. Attack, man. Attack. Because that's one thing you have on the interiors. You have some good athletes, man. You have guys, some, some guys that can move. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you need to be able to kind of accentuate their strengths. And at the end of the day, man, like Gabriel Rubio has a lot of talents, right? And we've seen the the growth that he had. Jason Onye, everybody knew coming out of high school that like that ceiling is pretty nice. There's substantial work that can be done there. Devin Houston's a guy that we both liked. There is talent in that room, but it's about utilizing them the right way. And it's also about who's going to step up. Who's going to be the guy to challenge the Riley Mills, to challenge the Howard Cross and say, I don't care if you guys are seniors or fifth year guys, like we're going to come and we're going to challenge you for reps this off season. Cause at the end of the day, if some guys can challenge them, that benefits Howard Cross so much. That benefits mm-hmm. Riley Mills a ton. Getting keeping those guys fresh because working in the interior, man, is not for the faint of heart. Like that is a tough gig to be able to anchor against double teams, to be able to work through chaos, to be able to counteract the physicality against some really good offensive lines. So Notre Dame needs to find that depth because just generally speaking. Interior defensive lines get worn down sometimes, man. That is not an easy position to hold up at. It's just not. Well, and that's the thing about Howard Cross too, Ryan, is, is he's got he's to play less. And I don't mean that from a talent standpoint. I think Howard Cross, when he's on the field and fresh, is a really disruptive football player and has been for three years now as part of the rotation. The problem, however, is they play him too much. And, and you, I mean, look, the, the proof is in the pudding, man. Just look at the numbers. The first six games of the year that he played, he had see uh, eleven run stops and five, six, seven, eight, nine, eleven, five, six, eight, nine, ten pressures, pass pressures. Right. Uh, when you look at him on the yeah, I got you right. When you look at him on the other side on the last six games of the year, because again he starts to get that wear and tear. He has one more pass rush, so he has 11 pressures, but only has two run stops. So his game wore down, and they were using him less and less and less in run situations and more and more in pass rush situations. And so to me, when you look at a kid like Howard Cross, 
he he needs to play a few fewer snaps this year. He had 477 snaps last year. If you can get him down to averaging about 25 to 30 a game at the most, you're going to have a guy that's going to be a really good football player. Because, again, he got hurt. He wore down. He didn't play against BYU. But at the beginning of the season, he played 38 games against Ohio, 38 snaps against Ohio State, 49 against Marshall, 57 against Cal, 39 against North Carolina, 35 against Stanford, 34 against UNLV, 31 against Syracuse, 37 against Clemson, 50 against Navy, 47 against South Carolina, 38 against USC, uh, 22 against Boston College, which was, by the way, was one of his best games of the year, by the way. Uh, so he was really good early in the year, to, to Ryan's point, because he was fresh, he was quick, he was agile. The more he plays, the more he wears down. That's just part of life with a guy his size. If they can get him to being more of a you know, starter, fine, but a guy that's averaging 30 to 35 at the most a game, and, and that's even in the good games. And then when you're playing a team like Tennessee State, he should be like 20. I mean, let him go out there, blow up in the first half, and then let other guys play. And so, But, but here's the thing. You can't do that with Howard Cross if other guys don't step up. And, and I can say all I want about Al Washington and Al Golden. They need to not play Howard Cross a lot of snaps, and it's he's going to wear down, and he, he can't be the player he's capable of if he plays a bunch of snaps, and and you can't have him play 470 snaps. and all this. I could say this until I'm blue in the face, but as a coach, if you don't have guys that can can play at a somewhat high enough level, then I can't afford to not play him fewer. I have to play him more. I think another thing, and and and, and I'm and I'm, I think this is another part too, Ryan. One difference that should help Howard Cross this year, if Notre Dame handles his reps right, is the schedule is much more conducive to to managing his workload early. Because last year, I mean, you were playing Ohio State in the opener. You were you know, Marshall was a competitive game against a nine ten win caliber team. You know, Cal's a Pac-12 team. There's a borderline bowl team the year before. You get North Carolina the next game, who was the ACC Coastal Champs. You get BYU. I mean, you're, you had a gauntlet out of, the, out of the gate. This year, you've got Navy in the opener. Then you've got Tennessee State. NC State should be a battle. Then Central Michigan. You've got a four-game stretch where there's plenty of opportunities to manage the workload of, some, of a guy like Howard Cross. Because the point I was making, Ryan, was he can't play 47, 477 snaps again. You just no. can't. There's a point of diminishing returns with Howard Cross from a snap standpoint. And he played a ton of snaps in September. This year he can't he can't use him that way. You've got to minimize the snaps early and and let him stay fresh. Cause when he wears down, he's he's 270 pounds. But let's be honest, he shouldn't be 270 pounds. Right. He, he should be 265, 260. So that's going to be a big key. But the point I made, Ryan, and I want you to respond to this is that's all fine and dandy. But the reason we're talking about this battle is not who should beat out Howard Cross. I'm not saying that. It's who can battle to take that next step to say, I can take some of the reps off of him. Because when you take him out, I can come in and be a player. I can come in and play my role and make plays. Because I can say all I want that he shouldn't play that much. But as a coach, if I don't have, if there's a big drop off between Howard Cross and my next guy, I've got no choice. I have to play him because we got to win, and that's why this spring is so important from a position battle standpoint. Is who are the young guys that step up and say, "I got you, coach," 
right. can take those reps away and I can play at a high level. Is it Gabriel? Is it Aiden? Is it Onye? Is it Devin Houston? Is it Donovan Heinish? Is it Tyson Ford? Or hopefully, is it a bunch of those guys? Right. That's going to be key. So that to me is the most arguably the most important position battle that's happening this whole spring on defense. It's the backup for the it's the battle for the number two and number three spots on the two interior positions of the defensive line. I think it's really funny because I think when people hear you say a guy needs to play less, they think it's a huge negative. And that's just it's not how it is, man. The right. guy has proven that in a smaller sample size, he could be a more impactful football player, right? Like you, yeah, he could be a good player with you know, an X amount of snaps, a higher number. But if he plays 25, 30 reps a game, maybe he has a couple more tackles for loss. Maybe he has another couple pressures. Like he has more impactful plays to his arsenal. And also, Brian, again, I I always go back to Georgia, and I know it's probably annoying to some people, but Jordan Davis went in the first round last year, and I don't think he ever had a season where he was over 25% 25 of the snaps in a season. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And the best teams have that type of depth. The best teams have guys where it's like the first wave's out. Oh, thank God. As an offensive line, I can kind of breathe a sigh of relief. And then here comes Bear Alexander and Warren Brinson. Like that's how the best teams are formulated. So for Notre Dame to be a a, a championship caliber roster, a championship caliber defense, I think you need that type of arsenal inside. It doesn't have to look exactly the same as what Georgia does, but it has to be impactful in waves is my point. Ryan, Jalen Carter and Howard Cross played the same number of games last year. They both played 12. Yeah. Howard Cross played 85 more snaps than Jalen Carter, who's <laughs> over 300 pounds. Jalen right? Carter, like, who's arguably the most talented player of the 2023 NFL draft. Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He played more snaps than Nazir Stackhouse. He played way more snaps than Bear Alexander. He played more snaps than Michael Michael Williams. You get my point? Yeah. Like this is this is what I'm talking about. It's it's not that Howard can't play. No interior defensive lineman over uh, no no Georgia defensive lineman last year played more snaps than Howard Cross, and they played two more games. And That's Howard nice. missed a game for Notre Dame. And only one guy in their interior last year played more than 400 snaps, just one, Nazir Stackhouse. And so that's my point. That That's what's got to change. That's where Notre Dame has to figure out a way to say, we've got to get a deeper rotation. we got to force a deeper rotation. And you do that by recruiting better players, but by coaching those guys up and giving those guys the opportunity. And, and then those guys have to seize it. So, you know, to me, Ryan, that's going to be a big part of this is – Notre Dame had had two interior guys play over 400 snaps last year. And Jason Adamiola played 418 snaps last year. He only played 11 games. Yeah. And then he got knocked out of another. So you, you've you got to get the snaps down on the interior. You've got to get the snaps down for our cross. So so that's my point. I wanted to get some context to that because you, you you made a great point. Some people are going to hear me say like, oh, Driscoll doesn't think that, that – uh, you know, he, Howard Cross he, is any good and shouldn't play. He thinks Cross stinks. Thinks Howard yeah. Cross stinks. Yeah. I'm not saying that at all. I think Howard yeah. Cross has been a much better player than I thought he was going to be. But the reality is, is they got to get a snap. For a perfect example, in 2022, in 2020, now again, they played, uh, you know, fewer games, but Notre Dame played a, a, a deep rotation that year. Neither Curtin Heinish or Myron Tungvaloa Amosa got up to 380 snaps. Not neither of them got to that because you had those two guys. You had Jason Adamiola, you had Howard Cross, you had Jacob Lacey, 
You had Riley Mills. You had six guys that got at least 140 snaps on the interior of the defensive line that year. That's where it's got to be. And then that made Kurt Heinisch was a lot better late in the season and late in games because he wasn't he didn't have the wear and tear uh, that he had at, at other times in his career. And that's my point. That's that's where I'm coming from. Is is you've got to keep the snaps down to allow those guys to be fresh and to be able to make it through an entire season. And and you you want an example in Kurt Heinisch's last three years, like his his best seasons were years where he played under 400 snaps. His most productive years were when he played under 400 snaps. Yep. And uh, think about this: Kurt Heinisch was a 300 pounder at Notre Dame. He he never played in his career more than 433 snaps in a season. He did that in 2019. He did that in 13 games. In his, la- in his last four years, he played 388, 372, 433, and 354 at 300 pounds. Yet Howard Cross played 477 snaps last year in 12 games. It's way too much. Yep. Way too much. And, and in order the for them to get that number down, players need to step up this offseason is the, is the main point, right? Gabriel Rubio, Jason Onye, you know, Devin Houston, Tyson right. Ford, if he moves inside, somebody – needs to take that honest. And hopefully it's a couple of guys that say like, how are we got you, bro? Like you're, you're going to stay fresh in the late in the game late against yep. USC this year. Like you're going to be that right. guy and be more impactful in the fourth quarter. That's what you need. That's what you need. And Hey buddy, we're playing Tennessee state this weekend. Just letting you know, you're not going to play more than 20 snaps. Just letting you know, that's just, I mean, you've got to be central Michigan. We got Ohio state coming up next week. I'm just letting you know, buddy, this game sandwich in between NC state and, and uh, Ohio state. Sorry, partner. You're not going to play more than 15, 20 snaps. That's okay because you're going to play in 45 against Ohio State. That's my point. Right. Then you take those two games together and he averaged 60. Or he had 60. 45 against Ohio State or let's say 50, but only 15 against you know Central Michigan because you're going to play your younger guys and put that game away. And all of a sudden, yeah. in a two-game stretch, he's played 65 snaps. That's 33 and a half snaps. That gets him right on pace with that 375 mark. That's where that's the sweet spot for me. You take 100 snaps off his off his body last year. And all of a sudden now he can be twitchier and more productive over the course of the season. But you got to do that job as a coach. But as you said, Ryan, as we get ready to wrap this up in a couple other positions, it's also up to those guys to take advantage of this spring and say, hey, coach, you need to play me based on what? Look at what I'm doing every day. Look what I'm doing sure. against Zeke Correll. Look what I'm doing against Billy Shroud. Look what I'm doing again in one-on-ones against these guys. I'm putting in the work. I'm making plays. I'm making plays against our offensive line. That's that says something, right? Yep. And and they've got to earn that too. I mean, it's not always just we we as fans make two mistakes. Number one is we put too much on the coaches. Everything is the coach's fault. Everything is the coach's fault. Six guys are fundamentally sound. One dude isn't, and it's what's well, the freaking coach isn't coaching that guy up. Really, he's coaching these other six guys up, but that one guy he's not coaching up. Come on now. Maybe that kid's not putting in the work. The other one is to, and then the players get no burden. The other one is to put everything on the coaches. And this is the one that drives me nuts the most. All the linebackers are fundamentally unsound. It's their fault. It's their fault. Right, right. The veterans regress. The, the talented freshmen aren't ready to play, but it's their fault. It's not the coaches. It's their fault. Makes sense. Really? Yeah. Really? It's a, it's a middle ground. The coaches got to put in the work and develop the players, and then the players have to put in the work to become the best that they can be. Yep. It's simple as that. And right now, I don't think that that they're getting enough of that on the coaching side. And if if I'm wrong on that, and Al Washington, and I'm going to have an article coming up soon about this, how this is a big year for Al Washington, like big year. He, as much as any coach on the staff, is going to have a big biggest role in Notre Dame reaching their potential as a team 
or falling short. And if the def- if the defensive line comes out there and balls this year, it's not just because they're talented. It's not. D line is a position where you need talent and good coaching. Yep. He's got an opportunity to to win Notre Dame fans over this year. Will he do it? I don't know. Hope he does because from everything I've ever heard, he's a good dude. Sure. He's just didn't do a very good job coaching last year. Let's move on to the second level, Ryan. The position I want to focus on is Will. Will linebacker is such an intriguing position. And, and it's basically, it's Maris Lewifau, it's kind of Prince Colley, it's Nolan Ziegler, it's Jalen Sneed, and then there's another guy that I would consider, strongly, strongly consider being part of this battle, and that is Jack Kaiser. And this position is so important, Ryan, and this battle is going to be so important. Number one, there better be a position battle. If not, then there's a huge problem. Yeah. And, and if Marcus Freeman doesn't force this, then that's on him, right? And then it's up to Al Golden to get it ready to go. And I'm tired of people blaming James Laronitis and, and now Max Bulla. Al Golden's the one making all the money to be the linebacker's coach. So I'm not passing this off to a GA. He needs to do more, way more than what he's doing. And what y'all need to understand is I'm not just saying this because of what I saw in film. This is what I hear constantly from people around the program. He's got to step up and do a better job. There needs to be a legitimate battle at will. And Maris Lufau is going to be in there. He should be. Maris to me is a guy that needs to be out of the starting lineup based on what he did last year. But I hope that he has a big spring where he comes and becomes a more disciplined player, right? Because he's still long, he's still athletic, and he can still hit, right? It's just he doesn't know what he's doing. That's got to change. That's that's where Al Golden's got to really step up and say, dude, you're the D.C. Nobody can get this kid more prepared to execute your defense than you. Nobody. Do your freaking job. This isn't the NFL where you're just a D coordinator. This is college football. you got to coach a position. So that's number one. And then after that, it's it's now it's about getting those young guys ready whether it's Nolan Ziegler or Jalen Sneed. From my understanding is I I believe as of right now, uh, Jalen's going to be playing sort of a Sam Rover type of thing in different looks. Maybe some will. Nolan Ziegler's going to be in this conversation. I think they need to strongly, strongly look at moving Jack Kaiser to will and and be part of a rotation. I don't know if Jack Kaiser can be, Ryan, a 60-snap game guy against a power running team, but here's the reality of it. Looking at their schedule, who's that team? Right. Who's that team where you can expose Jack Kaiser as the will from a size standpoint against the run? I don't know who that is. Most of the teams they play are pass-heavy teams. Ohio State is probably the closest you can get to it. And and they tend to lean heavily on the pass at times. But you can easily sub somebody in if you get into a fourth quarter like against Ohio State last year and they're just pounding the football. You can put somebody else in there. But I think Jack Kaiser needs to be part of this conversation as well as Nolan Ziegler and, and Prince Colley and all those other guys, Ryan. And I, there's a lot of uncertainty about this. You know, Prince has had some issues staying on the field. Um, you know, who knows where his head is right now? Nolan Ziegler hasn't played a meaningful snap. He's the longest, twitchiest guy of the group, in my opinion. Uh, he's a guy that needs an opportunity. I don't think he's going to get it, though. I just, I'm just telling you right now, I don't, I don't think he's going to get it. I don't know where they're going to go here, Ryan, but there needs to be a position battle. But from everything I hear, I just don't know if there's going to be one, to be honest with you. That's my concern. And I hope that I'm wrong about that. If there isn't, that is just the most troubling thing in the world because, I mean, what coach can look at last year? 
I would hope, and again, I'm trying to be as nice as I can with this with this comment here. I hope that Maris Loyfau can also look at the film from 2021 and be like, or 2022 and be like, man, I wasn't very good last year. Like, I hope he has that, that self-awareness in him, right? If I'm a coach, how can you watch what Maris did last year and be like, yep, that's up to, that's up to par. That's up to the standard. It's not, it's not at Notre Dame. It's not, it's not at a good school in general. Like you need a better production from that position and more consistent play from that position than what you got from Maris. And last year, Brian, you were in a situation where everyone made the call during the season from a fan perspective of get Prince Kali more reps, right? But outside of Prince Kali, there wasn't really another answer at will. I would argue this offseason, there are several other answers that it could mm-hmm. be, right? It's not just one guy, make it or break it, and if he's not the guy, there's no push. Maris should have a lot of pressure on him from Nolan, from Prince Kali, if, if, if everything's working out in, in that regard. If from other guys, whether it's Jalen Snee moving inside, whether it's Jack Kaiser moving inside, whether it's one of the true freshmen that are playing now that are enrolled in the spring, there needs to be competition there. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, what really sets team apart and sets coaches apart is being able to self-evaluate and understand yep. that isn't working. We got to fix it, man. We got to fix it. The wall linebacker position – was not good enough last year. It wasn't. And everybody knows that listens to this show, listens back to last, you know, last offseason shows. I was a big fan of Maris Loythal. I love the upside he has. But at the end of the still day, do. I still do. But at the end of the day, 2022 wasn't good enough. It needs to be better. Whether that is Maris taking that step up, which is also a more reasonable under, uh, option if there's competition behind him that he's right. going to take a step forward, or it's a combination or it's somebody else supplanting. I don't know what the recipe is, but at the end of the day, there has to be a new solution to the problem. Yes. Because it was a problem in 2020. Either a better version of Marist. Like yes. I well, one thing we said last year is it was just, everybody was so quick. Well, bench Kaiser, bench JD, bench Marist. The whole point was, guys, this is much deeper than the players. This is when all the linebackers are having similar issues, that's not a player problem. That's a preparation problem. That's a coaching problem. They're not being prepared to execute at a high enough level. And and Jack got better as the year went on. JD got better. Marist went through a better stretch and then went off. And part of that is because then against USC, Marist is ascending. And then against you know Navy, it's a different, a completely different animal. And he, and he just mentally couldn't adjust quick enough. And then USC, they throw a whole new defense out at USC that they hadn't played in a while. And Marist can't execute it. Like, look, he just, he for whatever reason, he hasn't been able to do that. Now, it's up to him, like you said, to say, hey, I, I know I can be better than this. And you hope that he has enough self-realization. But it, it's a coaching issue as well. And 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 it's got to be both. And I think you hit that nicely. But he, here's my issue with it. Yeah. Of all the guys on the Notre Dame football team last year, it, to me, is, is, a, is a bad sign when Maris Luafau leads your team in snaps over the course of a season. Out of all positions, or are you Out talking of all about all positions? Huh. huh. Now, part of that is because JD missed a game and missed parts of others because of uh, the, the stuff. But he's the only guy that had a shot to to be close to him. Number two was Benjamin Morrison, and 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 then you know, so I just look at that and say, there's there's no reason for that. There's no reason for him to be your team leader in snaps. And Prince Collie was barely over hundred. Now. I don't know if Prince Collie's the player some people think he is. 
I don't know if he is that or not. We haven't seen it. But you knew what you had in 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 Maris. And here's my whole point. If you have a depth chart, a roster that has Maris Luafau, Prince Colley, Jalen Sneed, Nolan Ziegler, Drake Bowen, Jaden Osbury, JD Bertrand, and Jack Kaiser, and you can't get good play. And Preston Zinter. And Preston Zinter, yes, exactly. Preston Zinter. If you can't get good play and production from that group of nine dudes, (laughs) at, at what point in time are we all willing to say, maybe this isn't a player problem, right? So that's what I'm really looking for this spring. I'm hoping that this conversation is, this is the last time we have this conversation. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping yeah. what we see in spring ball is okay th- that we're ready to go. But I talked to different sources and I haven't heard anything different than what we heard last year. That's my concern is I'm hearing the same stuff now that I heard last year. And that's that's a problem. But yeah. it, it, the excuse the, the whole experience excuse is just it's gone. Right? Jalen and Nolan aren't freshmen anymore. I had a guy say, "Well, do do good teams really have freshmen play much on I'm like, "Yeah, the Dumas Johnson kid at Georgia played a decent amount of snaps in 2021, and him and uh, Sm- Sm- the Munden kid were the two starters this year at, for Georgia's national championship team as true sophomores. There's two starting inside linebackers at Georgia this past year were true sophomores. So, so don't tell me, well, you know, the good teams. No, no, no. They get there. There weren't good veteran players there. Are you telling me that? No. These guys were just better, and they were given the opportunity to go out there and be better. And you know what, Ryan? When you break down film early in the year, those two kids made a lot of mistakes. Sure. But they kept they kept saying, hey, these are talented kids. Let's work with them. Let's develop them. And they got better and better and better and better and better as they played. So I'm not buying the, the excuse anymore. I'm done with it. The, when you have that group of nine players that I just listed, if you can't get big-time production from your linebacker position, it's not a player problem anymore. Yeah. It's just not. And, and it also becomes a situation where there's no excuses. I mean, because – the excuses run out because you know there's talent in the room. But also, Brian, when you have so much depth, there's answers. You have answers, right? And if you can't make one of those players be an answer to one of your problems, again, whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? I, I said this with Al Washington at the Viper position, right? If you can't get production out of that group at Viper, there's an issue. Well, the same thing goes with Al Golden here. If you can't get production out of the linebacker unit better than what it was last year, there's probably an issue there, right? And we, we can throw out the excuse, first year, coming back to college, blah, 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 blah. We're past that now, though. We're sure. past that. It's year two in a system. A lot of those linebackers that you mentioned are now in year two of a system, even the freshman from last year. Have to figure something else out, man. Have to figure something else out. Because if you go through another year where it's just like linebacker is not a good strength for Notre Dame, and or it's even worse, and it's a weakness for Notre Dame, like it was – a few games last year, then that is just – that's a detriment to your team, obviously, but it's also a very big indication that something needs to change. Something needs to change. They're, or else you're just hitting your head against the wall. And I hope we point. do. Yes. I hope we see that this spring. I do. There's another position battle too, Ryan, at safety, and, and I think this is more – there isn't a position – and I don't want to spend a ton of time on it yeah. by itself, but – with, with Xavier Watts, Ramon Henderson, and DJ Brown, look, DJ's going to be given an opportunity to start because he's experienced. The staff trusts him. 
the reality is he's just not a super athletic guy. And, and we've seen him when he has to play the, he's a lot, he's, he's, he's one of those guys where if you can get him in a niche in a role, it's pretty, he's helpful. You can use him. Yeah. The player. more yep. you have to play him, the the more there's a chance you got to put him in positions. He's not going to thrive. Yep. So to me, it, there's a position battle at safety. The question, however, is will Xavier Watts and Ramon Henderson do what it takes to say, we are the starters. And then now DJ can be a rotation guy. Yeah. That's position battle number one at safety. And then number two is what's the depth behind those three? Or is there depth behind those three? And if you have to move Thomas Harper to safety to, to protect yourself, you've now hurt yourself at nickel. And I would argue that the nickel position is every bit as important as the starting safety positions. When you look at the schedule that Notre Dame plays this year, NC State, Ohio State, Clemson, USC, Duke, the five best teams, in my opinion, you're going to play off the top of my head this year. Six teams, you throw Louisville in there. I think they're all going to be better than Pitt. We'll see about Pitt. I'm not sure about them. But you throw Pitt in there. Six of the seven teams that you're going to play this year, the six of the seven best teams you're going to play this year are all teams where your nickel is going to have to basically be a starter in that game. A lot of spread, yeah. Just right. just is. And so to me, you cannot move him to safety to protect yourself there in depth. you got to figure something else out. But there's going to be that battle. And that's what's going to lead us to our last conversation. What to do with Clarence Lewis? Because you made a point to me, Ryan, and I'll let you kind of run with it. I'm going to set you up for this. You made a point to me as we were prepping for the show. Clarence Lewis could be a part of three different position battles this yeah. spring. You got to figure out where he can help you the most and then move him there because yeah. the position ballot corner is as the number three guy starting nickel, potentially as an impact at safety. You got to yeah. figure something out and give him a chance to be a guy that can help you a, a lot more, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm really interested to see how the defensive backfield just fills out in general, Brian, because I always think it's like a situation of where can – Clarence Lewis had those impacts, but also that does come into a conversation of, but where's the need also, right? Like you need to make sure that your bases are covered before you throw for the ceiling with a guy like a Clarence Lewis, because the great thing about Clarence is that he is dependable. He might not have the highest ceiling in the world, but like if he ends up at corner nickel or safety, I feel solid about what Clarence could bring to the field. You know, like I feel like he can bring you positive production from three different spots potentially. When you're looking at him at corner, though, it's like awesome to have a third corner. That's great. But also, you have Christian Gray, who's a true freshman. We'll see what happens there. You have Ryan Barnes. You have Chance Tucker. Like, there's some guys there, man. Jaden Mickey. Like, there's a lot of talented corners there. So my first thought is, well, he'd probably be more impactful inside somewhere, whether that is as a nickel, whether that is a safety, or – there's a little bit of interchangeableness between safety and nickel. We could also get to that conversation. But right now, I think if you ask me, where is the glaring weakness in the secondary? We've talked about the strength of corner. Talk about it nickel now with Thomas Harper coming in and then maybe some Jane Mickey at times or Clarence Lewis at times. Like That's a pretty strong position overall. Safety has talent, but you don't have a ton of proven track record on the back end right now. And you don't have a ton of depth at least proven depth at this point. And your talent is thin because yes. you don't have to go very long in the conversation to get down to freshman, and you won't have a Don Shula this spring. 
Exactly. And you have, so you'll have a Xavier Watts who you expect to be a breakout, but it's still a question. You know, how much does he break out? Is he a starter full time? Is he a substantial playmaker? I think he can be for sure, but there's still a question until it happens. Ramon Henderson has been like a niche player, has shown positive moments during his career over the last two years, but can he be the de facto starter? Can he be a guy that can play a large level of snaps? Don't know the answer to that. How much does DJ Brown play? You know, is he a guy that is forced to be a starter because other guys don't step up? Is he a guy that is just a key rotational piece to a good safety group? Regardless, though, you need to find more answers. And I think Clarence Lewis potentially could be that answer at safety because I think that's where the biggest glaring weakness is. And I think that also there is some interchangeableness of saying Clarence can kind of be our inside safety to nickel type of guy, or maybe he can back up a couple positions, but you can really utilize his versatility, I think, inside a lot more than you can utilize outside. For me, Ryan, it comes down to this. Safety is the position that answers two big questions for me with Clarence. Where can he battle for a starting job? And where's his future in the NFL, if he's going to have one? And the answer to both of those is safety. Ramon Henderson's got to prove himself that he can be an every down guy. So does Xavier Watts. I think they can be, but I think Clarence is good enough to where he, if given the whole spring, now here's the thing. If you wait till after the spring to move him, he's not, he's not going to be that guy barring injury. But if you move him now and let him compete, he could at least be sort of a co-starter there. But if he's going to be a co-starter there, then you could say, then you could do the whole safety nickel thing where he can really help you a ton of both and play a ton of snaps of both. But I think your point is correct is the the combination of where does can he help you the most now with also looking out for the young man, what position gives him the best chance to play professional football? Both of those answers are inside. They're not outside a corner. And so part of it is Chance Tucker's got to step up this spring and really prove himself ready to play because uh, he's the guy that could battle for that number two boundary job to help out there. You've got Jaden Mickey out there at, at outside to, to, to you know, where, where Cam Hart plays. You've got Christian Gray coming in. You know, hopefully Ryan Barnes can kind of put it all together this spring. The point is there's enough talent there at cornerback. Yeah. You've got to you've got to move Clarence inside in my and you've got to do it now. You can't wait till halfway through spring or end of spring or fall camp. If he's going to truly be given a chance to compete for a starting role there, You've got to let him get there this spring. And here's the thing. If you move Clarence now and he doesn't win a starting safety job, it says a lot about the spring that Xavier Watts and Ramon Henderson are going to have. And and also, Brian, to your point of the talent that's in the cornerback room outside of Clarence, also, what position coach has the best track record of developing his position? (laughs) Like, I I trust Coach Mickens to get – Chance Tucker, or Ryan Barnes, or or somebody else to be Ryan. ready to play football, Ryan. man. Yeah. Mike Mickens coached up a cornerback room of Nick McLeod and Clarence Lewis to be a playoff team. Yeah. Right? Like the dude can freaking coach. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, number one, Notre Dame, pay the freaking dude. Number two, <laughs> there's a level of, I trust Mickens to get those guys ready to play by the time we play NC Exactly. Exactly. That's the key. So let Clarence go there and learn at safety and nickel and and provide you depth there. Because if he doesn't start, he can play both positions. If he does start, then now all of a sudden maybe somebody else can, can double up there. Because between Xavier Watts and Clarence Lewis, you have two safeties that I think could really help you in the nickel, in my view. And and all and Ben Minich is another one I'd be curious to see kind of as a nickel 
uh, you know, can, playing that he position. He, he can, can flip it. his hips and run. And, yeah. and you know, so, so you have guys there. Plus, you have some corners that can play it. So you have plenty of guys there. You need to get better. You need to get more impactful at safety. And I think Clarence, as a cover guy at safety, could be a much better player there than I think what they have as is, you know, and that number three, number four spot in my view. So that's the other one is Clarence Lewis has got needs to be in a battle somewhere. The place where he's going to have the least chance to battle is corner. Now he may be the starter all spring if Cam Hart's out, but you and I both know the staff knows Clarence knows everybody knows once Cam Hart comes back at best, you're the number three corner. Yeah, and if if and if Jaden Mickey steps up and has a big spring, or Chance Tucker steps up and has a big spring, or if Christian Gray's as good as we think he is, then all of a sudden Clarence is sitting at number four, maybe yeah. number five, where he can help you somewhere else. And now he's in that no man's land. He's been passed up a corner. He missed a whole spring opportunity to push it to learn at safety. So now he's way behind the eight ball there. And now you've you've hurt yourself, in my opinion. Move and, them and, now, and you and you wasted a year of Clarence's eligibility yes. too by yes. fooling around with it. Like if that if that decision right. is going to be made, to your point, make it now, man. He's this a safety time. right now. Safety yeah. nickel, safety and nickel right now. Day one, that's the room he's in. He's in the room with O'Leary. Let him develop and let him push. And if he wins a starting job, you're set. If he doesn't win a starting job, that means Ramon and Xavier really stepped up, and you're set. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at. So that's the last part of that one, Ryan. So that's going to do it for the position battle aspects. We're going to have a mailbag next. But before we do, folks, please hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. And also, if you haven't done so, sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. It's where we can kind of continue these conversations. Uh, When we get intel, we'll put that intel up there. Ryan's got a ton of recruiting stuff on the message board right now. We're going to get even more. Uh, We're going to have, you know, uh, St. Patrick's Day is coming up here in a couple days, Ryan. You know what happens for Notre Dame on St. Patrick's Day every year. The last few years it's the pot of gold. So uh, it's always fun to see kind of how that goes and where those go out to. So looking forward to that. So you want to be have all that stuff on the message board, and you get that at boards.irishbreakdown.com.